Hey, this is Pastor Sean Beatty from Clovis Hills Community Church. We're so glad you're listening to our podcast. If you want more information about the church, go to www.clovishills.com or you can download our app in your iTunes or Google Play Store. Enjoy the podcast. I have a, a friend that I'm going to have preach today, and I'm, I'm very excited to have him. Um, his name is Dr. Bill Agee, and uh, Dr. Agee is uh, just moved into the Fresno area, and I'm very excited for him to be here in our town. He is the executive director of the California Southern Baptist Convention, over 2,300 churches, and um, he is an incredible man, and I'm excited to share him with you. But here's the deal. If we have the executive director of the Southern Baptist Convention, convention here. I need you guys to act like Baptists today, okay? <laughs> Can I get an amen? Can I get a praise the Lord? It was the Lord who helped kill again off the island, okay? I need you to be Baptist for this guy, okay? We want, we want to make him feel at home. He's uh, just moved here from Georgia. He was a staff member at First Baptist Woodstock, and um, so Let's give a nice, big, warm Baptist welcome for Dr. Agee. Thank you, Bill. <laughs> no pressure, no pressure. Your pastor is one of a kind. I don't know what kind. I enjoy uh, him and uh, all of his antics. Uh, it seems to me this is the way it is all the time. Uh, I had a pastor once like that. He never knew what was going to happen. And if it happened, everybody said it, it was the pastor who did that. And a lot of times it wasn't his fault. He was just blamed for it. Well, I think Sean's that way too. But uh, I'm glad to be here. I bring you greetings from 2,300 churches around the state. Uh, this church here is an exciting church. I've been able to be here for about five or six weeks and, and hear your, your pastor preach and other staff members preach. Uh, it's, a, it's a great church. And I'm, I'm happy to be here today to share with you. I want to bring you a message from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. And pastors are going to come and Read that. We're, gonna, we're actually going to read from the King James Version today, so let's rise, from our, <laughs> rise to our feet. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but we have renounced hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid from them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels 
that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. It's exciting to see what's going on in the church here. Uh, I'm familiar with the church that you helped start in, uh, called Eden Church in the Silicon Valley. Our church in Woodstock was also a part of helping a church get underway. So you have a little bit of connection there. Uh, also, I was excited to see what happened in Porterville. Uh, 190 people to begin a new church. That's pretty exciting. Uh, this is a very special time for my wife and I. Pam is here on the front. Uh, today marks 40 years from the time that we started our first church uh, in South Dakota. It was a little different then. You had 190 people start church here. My wife and I, we went to South Dakota, sight unseen, and started a church. We got there on Monday, put an ad in the only paper in town on Wednesday. The only paper came out on Saturday, and we started on Sunday. I would not recommend that. But it was a great time. And we were a small church. We're a church of two. Sometimes guys ask me, I have a small church. Well, let me tell you what small is. I can wake up in the morning and kiss my entire church membership good morning <laughs> and get away with it. That's a small church. So it's exciting to see what's going on here and uh, in the different places you guys are serving. You're serving in local community here. You're serving around the country. You're serving around the world. And praise God for that. You have a lot going on here as a church. And I'm excited to, to see it, to be a part of it, and uh, to tell others about it. Because sadly, that's not true everywhere. You guys are blessed to have what you have here. The, the music is wonderful. The people behind the scenes are great. Pastor is a little crazy, but other than that, you know, it's good to be here. I want to share with you something today that I think may be helpful to you. Because all of us, some of you came into this room today... And some things are going on in your life that you couldn't make any sense of. You think about it, and it doesn't seem to make any sense. No matter how you try, no matter what you say, no matter why you look at it, it just doesn't seem to make any sense. And we live in a world filled with things that don't make any sense to us. I've seen people that have stopped serving the Lord because something happened in their life that didn't make any sense, and they used that as a reason not to serve God anymore. They were using that as an excuse for stopping serving the Lord because they just couldn't understand anything. Folks, we're not going to understand everything. There's going to be times we understand some things, some things we won't understand until we get to heaven. But we're going to understand what we can. I grew up in Oklahoma. Any other Oklahoma guys? We had most of them in the first service. In Oklahoma, we have things called tornadoes. And every now and then, a tornado would strike, and innocent people would lose their lives. 
And I always try to figure out why. You know, that doesn't make any sense to me. Why does that happen to people? Good people, innocent people lose their lives in a, a tornado like that. And it happens all over. Hurricanes, the tsunami we had a few years ago, hundreds of thousands of people, innocent people died. And people tried to make sense out of that. But you can't make sense of that. It doesn't make any sense. Why did that happen? And then there's other ways it manifests itself. The crimes that are committed by people, acts of terror, uh, acts of aggression, all those kind of things make it difficult for people to make sense out of some of the things that go on in life. Historians tell us that this century for a Christian is one of the most dangerous times to be alive since time began. The only time like this was the first century when the early church faced all kinds of atrocities and all kinds of difficulties. Those kind of things are going on today. More Christian people have been martyred in the last 12 months than any 12 months prior to that. It's amazing what's going on in our world today. Things happen that just simply don't make any sense. But we're not the first people to think that. The psalmist wrote and wrote a question. And this question has been raised ever since time, ever since it was written. And it says this, Why do the wicked seem to prosper and good people endure such heartache? Have you ever thought that? I mean, you look around, you see people, they live like the devil and they seem to be okay. Then you have people who try to serve God and things don't seem to go well for them. It's always been something's been asked. People have asked that question. The psalmist wrote about it. Why then do the wicked seem to prosper and good people suffer heartache? Other questions have been asked, and I've heard these in, in my ministry over the years. People say, why did God allow this to happen to me? It's almost like we think it's God's fault that things are happening that we can't understand. Some people say, why does God want to punish me? And it's really not God wanting to punish you. It's just sometimes we live, we live in a world of sinful people. Would you agree with that? And sinful people do sinful things that bring hurt into people's lives. God wants the best for you. He does not want to punish you. He doesn't want to make you feel bad. God wants you to have a relationship with him that makes a difference. The tendency to blame God for things that are not really his fault is something that is inherent almost in people's lives. Notice what Paul said, though. He said he was perplexed. He didn't understand everything. He was perplexed, but he was not in despair. It's possible to be perplexed and in despair. Some people live almost in a state of depression because they're perplexed about stuff, and it doesn't seem to make any sense. But Paul said that he was perplexed, but not in despair. So it's possible that we just may not understand it, but we don't have to be discouraged about it. If anybody had a reason to be discouraged, it's probably Paul. Think about his life for a minute. Think about if you were him. He says, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to, I'm going to serve. I'm going to give my life. Everything I do is going to be for you. And then he goes on to be shipwrecked, beaten, snake bit, left for dead. Not a great resume that you would like to have, something that you would not expect that would happen. And yet those things happen, but he said, I'm perplexed, but I am not in despair. Please understand that Paul was not making light of his circumstances. 
and you should not make light of yours. But he was not letting his circumstances dictate his life either. Sometimes we let our circumstances dictate our lives rather than being trusting of what God is doing. If we're truly trusting God, he's going to help us understand what's going on in our lives. And if we don't understand it, he's going to give us faith enough to trust him. It's all about trusting him and not our circumstances. I had one of these events happen in my life several years ago. And I just want to share with you what God was teaching me, and I think it might be help you just a, a little bit as you face some of these circumstances. Some of you walked in today with circumstances you can't understand. And I understand that for sure. My father was my best friend. I grew up in a very dysfunctional, non-Christian home. Uh, I became a Christian as a sophomore in high school. And no one on either side of my family was a believer. So they didn't understand anything about me. They didn't understand what I was about. They didn't understand what I wanted to be. They didn't understand what I wanted to do. When I came back and told them I felt like the Lord was leading me in the ministry, they, they go, what? What's that mean? Well, they didn't understand anything at all about it. They thought I was just going to go live a life of poverty, which turned out to be mostly true. <laughs> but they didn't understand me at all. And we'd spend time, we'd get together with family, and I had nothing to talk about with family. There was nothing they talked, they liked to gamble, like do this, do that. I wanted to talk about things of God. That seemed kind of weird to them. And yet I had nothing really much to say. And then my father became a believer when I was a senior in high school. And it totally changed his life. Anytime you meet Jesus, it totally changes your life. Is that right? It always does. Well, my dad was no different. He was a good man, but he just didn't know Christ. But when he came to know the Lord, he really got a dose of it. You know, he really knew what it really meant to be a believer. He started going to church. He started reading his Bible. He started to pray. He, he talked about it all the time. So when I come back home, it was now I had someone to talk to. And we'd talk about the scriptures, and we would talk about uh, what was happening at church. We'd talk about what the preacher preached. We'd talk about what he heard on visitation. It was just pretty cool to me just to see my father talking in these terms. And I was loving it. I thought, this is great. This is going to be wonderful. My father loved to fish, and he'd go fishing at the drop of a hat. And so when he retired at 65, he was going to go fishing. And he did that for the first three months of his retirement. Then my dad suddenly had a heart attack one day and died the next day. And I, I guarantee you, I was a little bit uh, mad. Can you say you were mad at God? Have you ever been mad at God? I was mad at God. Well, not, I wasn't really mad. I was really mad at God. Because the day my father passed away, on the news, the report of the Palestinian Liberation Organization leader of that day, a very evil man, went down in a plane crash and walked away unharmed. And I'm going, okay, God, we've got to have a talk. You know, my father was a good man trying to live a good life, trying to do what you want him to do. Here's this evil man 
who was hurting people, bringing harm in people's lives, and he walks away. You know what I'm asking? Why? Have you ever asked why? I've had people tell me all the time, don't ask God why. To which I say, why? I don't think God wants to hide it from you. I think he wants you to know. So I wanted to know. And I was pastoring a church in Oklahoma. And I, I kind of felt sorry for the church because I was going on this journey to try to find out why and understand, make some sense out of this event in my life. And they just had to go along for the ride because I was trying, what I was preaching is what I was learning. What I was experiencing is what I was preaching. So they were kind of going along for the ride. But I was devastated in my own life. But God didn't leave me in the wilderness. God will not leave you out there just wondering. He will not leave you out there trying to figure out why all the time. He will help you understand the why of life if you just want to find out. So I want to share with you a couple of things here that really helped me and they might help you as well. And all the things that we sung about this morning, I mean, they, they fit so well into what we're talking about here. Even the sermons you guys have heard, that I've heard with you over the last few weeks, uh, some of the things that we're going to talk about here fit exactly into what we're talking about. The first thing I want you to understand is because something doesn't make sense to us does not mean that it doesn't make sense at all. Think about that for a second. Because something that happens doesn't make sense to us, doesn't mean that it doesn't make sense at all. Joseph thought it was for evil that his brothers sold him into slavery. He thought, this is bad news. This is for evil. And yet God said, no, this is for good. This is a bad event, but God means it for good. He's going to turn this bad thing into a good thing. Joseph didn't think so. Jacob didn't think so. He said, in fact, all this is happening for evil and all things were against him. Sometimes we feel that way. We feel like everything is against us. Everything is happening for evil. And I'm here to say to you that God says all things are working for your good. They might not seem good at the time, but God is going to work it for good. We have to trust him in that. We don't have all the answers. We have to trust him. Pam did a type of stitchery back in the day. Just imagine the cold, dark South Dakota winter nights. Anybody ever been to South Dakota? Yeah, some of it, it's cold there, right? And it's dark. I mean, it gets dark at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, doesn't get daylight until 9 o'clock the next morning. It's dark a lot of times. So you spend a lot of time doing stuff inside. Well, she took up this type of stitchery called cruel. And I thought, okay, that's pretty aptly named. It seemed like cruel to me. And so she would spend hours on these pictures that were made out of thread. And I go, each thread. I mean, she's doing each thread one at a time. I'm like, How do you do that? How do you have the patience to do that? I don't. But she would do that. And some of the Things she made were beautiful. We framed them. They're in a house. Very beautiful stuff. What I noticed is when you take that picture, you're looking at it, it's a very beautiful picture. 
and you turn it around, what do you think it looks like? It's a mess. There's threads going every direction. You can't figure out what it is. And really, that's where we find ourselves sometime. Because we find ourselves on the backside of the providential hand of God. We don't see it from the front. We see things from the backside. And we try to make sense of it. And you know what? It's impossible to do. You can't make sense of it because you're seeing it from the backside. God sees things from the front. So we find ourselves sometimes on the backside of the providential hand of God. And just because it doesn't make sense to us, as we see it from our viewpoint, doesn't mean it doesn't make sense at all. So think about that as you go through a circumstance in your life that God knows more about it than you do. He sees it from the front. You're seeing it from the back. It's a different story. The second thing I want you to notice is because something doesn't make sense to us now does not mean that it will never make sense. There are a lot of things that I believe God wants us to know now. There are some things I don't think we're going to know until we get to heaven. There's some things I don't think we need to know until we get to heaven. But we're going to know some things now. We're going to know some things later. You know, we heard those messages a couple of weeks ago. Sarah, by the way, you're going to have a baby, but you're, you're 100 years old. Does that make sense? Not at all. And, oh, by the way, Sarah, the promise won't happen now, but the promise is going to happen years later. Because something doesn't make sense to us now does not mean that it will not make sense later on. Anybody like puzzles? I hate puzzles. <laughs> My wife loves to do puzzles. I hate them. I mean, I'll do the corner pieces. You know what I'm talking about? I'll do the corners, and then I'll go watch a football game. Well, she's doing all the work, and then I'll come back in when she's about finished, and I'll see one puzzle piece, and I want to put it in because I'm going to finish this puzzle that I started, right? And all these puzzles are not beautiful landscapes. They're a polar bear in a snowstorm. I'm looking at the puzzle pieces. I'm going, how do you know what the puzzle piece goes to? And that's the point. You can't pick up any one puzzle piece and know what the entire picture looks like. It's impossible to do. A polar bear in a snowstorm, what do you think every piece looks like? It's white. It's just in different shapes. It's the same thing. Well, I think for us, we can't make sense of one event in our life explaining everything in our life. You can't take your whole life and say from one event, I can see the whole picture because you can't. Your life is going to be made up of events upon event upon event and more puzzle pieces that come together, you get a better picture of what your life is going to look like. But you can't take one piece out of your life, one happening in your life, one event in your life, maybe you can't make sense of. You can't take that one event and that define your entire life. You just can't do that. So I believe that 
you know, because, you know, it doesn't make sense to us now, doesn't mean that down the road it's not going to make sense. Because you'll have more of your puzzle pieces together, and God will let you see more and more of what God's doing in your life. Right now, you might be going, I have no idea what God's up to. Well, God knows. He sees the entirety of the picture. He sees what's going on. And you say, well, it doesn't make any sense to me now. No, but it will later. Be patient. Trust him. It will make sense later on. The last thing I want you to notice is that things that don't make sense when viewed through earthly eyes can make sense when viewed through spiritual eyes. My father's funeral was on a Saturday. And since I'm the pastor, I'm going to church the next day. Do you think I felt like going to church the next day? No, I did not. I would much rather have stayed home, but I was the pastor, so I go. I didn't really know anything was going to happen, didn't expect anything to happen, but I'm going to church, I'm there. And the folks who were leading the, the worship that day said, Pastor, we have a song, and we believe this song will speak to your heart, and we hope it will bless your life. So they sang a song that day that really made a difference in my life and has over the time I've I've been since. And here's what the, the song said. It said, God is too wise to be mistaken. God is too good to be unkind. So when you don't understand and when you can't trace his hand and you can't see his plan, trust his heart. It all comes down to trust. Again, it says God is too wise to be mistaken. God is too good to be unkind. So when you don't understand and see his plan and you can't trace his hand, trust his heart. We all have to come to a place where we trust. Put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and he will help you understand the difficulties of your life. He'll help every event in your life begin to make sense that doesn't make sense to you today. I grew up in Henrietta, Oklahoma, home of the fighting hens. Think about that. You had to be tough to be a hen. I wanted to be a wolverine or a bulldog my whole life. Now I'm a bulldog, yeah. But I'm not a hen, okay? But in Henrietta, where I grew up, They had a lake outside of town. And when I was a kid, my dad would take me out to the lake, and I couldn't swim a lick, okay? But I loved the water. So my dad would put me on the dock, and he would get in the water about this deep, which was way over my head at that time. And he'd say, okay, Bill, jump in. I'll catch you. Now, I didn't stop and think about that. I didn't stop and say, I wonder if he really means that. Have I been a good enough boy this week, or is he going to let me sink like a rock? I didn't think that way. When my dad said, Bill, I want you to jump, and I'll catch you, I just jumped. And you know what? He caught me. And I said, hey, Dad, let's do that again. He put me up on the dock, got out in the water. He said, Bill, jump. I jumped. You know what? He caught me every single time. And I'm here to say to you that Jesus Christ will catch you every single time. You can trust him. 
He's not going to leave you hanging. He's not going to leave you wondering. He's not going to leave you in despair. He will help you. He will be there for you every single time. That's something I learned. So because something doesn't make sense to us, doesn't mean it doesn't make sense at all. Because it doesn't make sense to us now, doesn't mean it will never make sense. And just because we can't understand it all through our earthly eyes doesn't mean that we can't make sense of it from God's viewpoint, through his eyes. So as you face these difficulties and you face these trials in your life, be sure to trust him. He knows your circumstances. He knows your situation, and he wants to help. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity to share from your word. Father, I'm thankful that you don't leave us wondering, but you want us to know. Lord, I don't understand everything. I don't need to know and understand everything. But I trust you. And Father, I pray for those in this room today who are dealing with circumstances that are difficult to handle and difficult to understand. That, Father, they would put their trust in you, knowing that you'll catch them every single time. And, Father, I pray that if there's people here today who have never put their trust and faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that today they can make that decision. So, Father, thank you for what you have done already and what you're going to do in each of our lives. We trust you with our lives and with our eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor. You know, there's something uh, um, about that visual of the, the, the puzzle piece, right? I also learned something this weekend. I learned what cruel is, thank you. And seeing the backside of it, sometimes it is a mess. And you don't know because you don't see the whole picture. You don't see the front side. The puzzle piece is the same way. Imagine trying to define your life by one bad moment in your life. It, it, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way for anyone. You know, when I was a little boy, I had a... Um, I had spinal meningitis, and I was very, very sick. And while in the hospital, uh, they uh, ended up having to do five spinal taps on me. If you don't know what a spinal tap is, that's basically where they take a big, long needle, and when you're five years old, it looked like it was this long. And they jam it in your spine, and they pull fluid out. And after the first spinal tap, it hurt so bad, uh, my five-year-old mind knew, set a course and said, never again will I let a doctor do that to me again. So when they came in to do the second one, I was ready to fight. I was going to kick. I was going to bite. I was going to scratch. I was going to run. I couldn't really run because I was so weak, but I was going to fight it as best I can and wiggle as much as I can because I wasn't going to let that doctor do that to me again. And I remember they came in, the doctor came in and I just ah, started screaming, it, you know, fighting and the nurse is trying to hold me down. The doctor's trying to, and they couldn't do it. And, and I was scared and I was screaming help. And all of a sudden, boom, the door of my room opened and there's my dad at the door. My dad was a Marine for 32 years. He fought in Korea. He fought three tours in Vietnam. He was the baddest man I ever met. Cut his arm open once with a chainsaw and sewed it with fishing line at my house. Okay, that's the kind of guy he was. He opened that door and I knew it. Five-year-old Sean said, my father's here to rescue me. 
And he came walking towards me and he swept me up in his arms and I knew like, oh, my dad's gonna kick this doctor's butt. He's gonna send that nurse on her way. He's here to save me. And he proceeded to look me in the eye lovingly and then he turned my back at the doctor and lifted my gown up. And as I looked up into him, he must have saw my eyes and just saw, you betrayed me. I couldn't understand what he was doing. I thought he came to rescue me, and he's turned me over to my enemies. See, what my mind didn't know in that moment, in that time, in that puzzle piece, was that my father had come to save me. And it looked different than what I was hoping for. Guys, that's what your father in heaven does for you. He has... He loves you so much. He's not mad at you. For those of you that have never put your faith in Jesus before, I want you to know something. It will change your life. And um, we're going we're gonna to sing, sing the um, King of My Heart song again. Awesome. That song's amazing. But here, here's the deal. Uh, last service, I prayed with a woman. And uh, she came forward and she said, I need prayer. I have pancreatic cancer. I just found out. I just started treatment. It's spread to my liver. I don't know what's going to happen. But what I learned today is that God is good. Here's what I want you to understand, guys. Um, I'm an old punk rocker. The reason I love punk rock is because it has this kind of like stick it to the man, like defiant thing to it. And I have that deep inside me somewhere. Okay, it's on the outside too. But listen, here's the deal. Do you see what she was doing? She was saying, cancer does not have me. My God does. She was defiantly putting her flag in the ground and saying, even though I have cancer, you are good. Even though I don't know the outcome of that cancer, you are good. And I want to encourage you this morning, rise to your feet, put your flag in the ground, say, forget you, world. My God is good. Whatever circumstance you're in right now, maybe it's a tough one, maybe it's one that feels hopeless, plant your flag and say he's good because I can guarantee you this, he is and he'll never give up on you. So let's rise and let's respond to the good news.